Welcome to the Alan Smith Sunday School class at Liberty Baptist Church in Chelsea, Alabama. We want to thank you for joining us this week as we celebrate our risen Savior on Easter. We want to continue to pray for our loved ones, our medical field, and all involved with today's crisis. Kathy and I want you to call or text us if you need anything, and we'll make sure you're covered in our prayers. We're here to help during these times like these. Today's lesson is titled Risen, and we'll study today's lesson in Luke chapter 24. So please open your Bibles and let's get ready to study God's word. But first, let's open with prayer. Dear Lord in heaven, we thank you for this day. And Lord, we thank you for the blessings you have given us. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice you've made for us. Lord, we thank you for uh, being here with us this morning as we, Lord, we study your lesson. And Lord, we uh, study your word as we go about our daily activities. Lord, we pray for our medical field and we pray for all the people that are, Lord, supporting those people. And Lord, all the people that are stocking our groceries and Lord, the drivers of the trucks. Lord, during this time, but Lord, we pray for our loved ones, especially during this time where we're having social distancing. And Lord, we've got an opportunity here to spread the word of the gospel, Lord, through different alternatives and different methods, Lord, but to give you all the praise and all the glory. But Lord, we come with uh, heart, hurting hearts, Lord, as we go about this Easter weekend, having social distancing and not being able to get with our loved ones and hug each other. And Lord, just to share the gospel close enough, Lord, that we're able to touch each other. But Lord, we know that you're touching us, and Lord, we know that you have this in the palm of your hand. This did not surprise you. So Lord, we thank you for who you are in our life. We thank you for uh, being risen from the dead. Lord, we thank you that you chose on this day, Lord, to resurrect, and Lord, to shout out the glory that you're alive. And Lord, we our options today are to proclaim that, and Lord, we hope we can do that with everything about us. And Lord, we ask this in your most precious name, Jesus Christ, for it's in his name we pray. Amen. Today's lesson makes us ponder the thought about what we're looking for. Are we looking in the wrong place, or would we even know the answer to life's problems if they were right in front of our face? Are we like the disciples and the women of this lesson? They can't see the forest for the trees. Do you have fears, anxiety of the heart, depression, unending nerves, anger, or disbelief? These are some emotions we feel when someone we love dies or when problems continue to persist. Sometimes we think, where do we go from here? Our life is forever changed and it's been turned upside down. Have you ever felt that you don't know where to turn, what to do? Now, how do I carry on? Are you overwhelmed with life? What is my part of this so-called great life? Life has challenges and thorns, but fear not. He has overcome this earth and death, and we will be reunited with our loved ones and friends one day. Today, we'll discuss the empty tomb, but this time the tomb is our doorway to eternity. The world has been changed forever. People say there's two things that will never sit change, death and taxes. But what if someone did overcome death? Would we be able to believe it? Do you? Read with me as we read verses 1 through 3, chapter 24 of Luke. 
Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. This doorway to eternity begins with the first day of the week. It's Sunday. Luke refers to the women as they. These were the same women who had been at the cross and who had traveled with Jesus from Galilee. That's Luke 23, 49. They came to the tomb bringing spices that they had prepared. These women didn't go to receive anything from Christ. They went for one reason, to anoint his body and give to Jesus, even in their despair. The tomb, was, the tomb is a cut rock and it typically has a large wheel shaped stone that was rolled on the, on the sloping track that would cover the opening. This rock was large. It would not be able to be opened by the women. The tomb during this time had an opening that was large enough for a person to walk into who would have to stoop down to enter. The women saw the stone rolled away. The tomb opened, but the grave contained no corpse. God blessed these women because they were willing to give. Sometimes we're called to love Thus, we should not expect anything in return. If you will, let's read verses 4 and 5. And it happened as they, were, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth. The empty tomb was not enough to convince these women that Jesus had been raised from the dead. The women were perplexed. They were confused. They were uncertain and in doubt. And their initial assumption was that somebody had taken Jesus' body. John 20, 2. None of those who saw the empty tomb drew from the empty tomb the conclusion that Jesus had been raised from the dead. This physical appearance of the men in the dark tomb was dazzling. It's striking, like a flashing of light, according to Luke 17, 24. The sudden presence of these men, these angels, startled the women and produced a strong sense of fear. The angels told the women the truth. You don't look for a living person by searching among the dead. The women had come to the tomb, not seeking a living person, but to pay their respect to the one who was dead. The empty tomb changed everything. God used these women who exhibited faith as the angel reminded them of Jesus' promises. Let's read verses 6 through 9. He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. The significance of this event is not in the women or the angels. Instead, it lies in the glorious news that Jesus Christ rose from the grave on the third day. This bodily resurrection of Christ is the cornerstone of our faith. The angel spoke to the women, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? These divine messengers announced the greatest news ever proclaimed. He's not here, but is risen. This is the foundation upon which our Christian faith rests. Paul says in Corinthians 15, 12 through 17, that if Christ has not been raised, then our faith is futile and we're still in our sins. 
making our faith worthless. If Christ hasn't risen, risen, then he has not fulfilled his promises. And that means nothing he said will come true. Furthermore, death is not defeated, resulting in mankind to suffer death and have no resurrection. Thus, no resurrection means no eternal life. And thus, to know resurrection, we know eternal life. As we read verses 10 through 12, read along with me. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to, seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloth lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. The apostles thought the women's story was nonsense. During Jesus' time, women were not viewed as reliable witnesses. The Old Testament doesn't forbid women from serving as witnesses, but most men during this time viewed women with suspicion. Women being the first to declare that Jesus was raised from the dead was deemed unreliable. However, the women being the first witness of the tomb adds to the veracity of the four Gospels accounts. It's more likely that a made-up story would have had men to be the first witnesses. The apostles found the women's report to lack credibility. And after all, the apostles were not naive nor gullible men that could be easily fooled. They had to be convinced that Jesus was actually alive. But Peter's curiosity got the better of him because he ran the tomb. Peter saw the linen cloth that had been used for burial lying where Jesus had lain. The report of the women was accurate. The tomb was empty, and Peter marveled at what he had seen. The news of Christ's resurrection fulfills all the Old Testament prophecies. Christ died for us, sinners. Romans 5, 8, Christ's sacrifice was for us. His resurrection was for us. God's plan is to be with us, 1 Thessalonians 4, 15-18. Thus, experiencing the Lord puts everything in proper perspective. An encounter with the written Savior changes everything. Even though we still struggle and things don't work out the way we plan, we learn to trust in his sovereignty. He is working all things good for those who love him. Romans 8, 28. We need to be more like the women in this gospel and share the good news about our risen Savior. You see, Christ's sacrifice cleansed us from our sins. And his resurrection from the dead means death has been, it's past tense, defeated. So we no longer need to fear eternal condemnation. But now let's talk about that promise fulfilled. Read with me verses 13 through 18. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to the village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together all these things which had happened. So it was while they, were, they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cle Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have, and have you not known the things which happened there in these days. These men were wandering. Jesus talked with them, but their eyes did not recognize him. 
God restricted them from knowing until the appointed time. We sometimes may not recognize him, but we know he's always there. Verses 19 through 24 is a little about their disbelief. Read with me, please. And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. What were they looking for? They're looking for a king, a mighty warrior, a prince of peace, a conqueror, someone to kick the Romans out of Israel and return Israel to its proper place, just like in the days of David. They are correct, and they were correct, but they didn't want to hear the other part, that he must come and suffer. He must be persecuted, beaten with a whip 40 times, nails run through his hand and feet, a spear thrust through his side, and a crown of thorns thrust on his head, and he must die. This is ludicrous to believe. After all, he'd been dead three days. He couldn't be the Messiah. But to those two men on the road to Emmaus, their hopes and dreams of a great deliverer of Israel died when he died. These women said his body is now gone. And they speak these idle tales. You see, he's dead. Verses 25 through 27 says it's a little different story. They need to do a little learning here. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, things concerning himself. You see, Jesus walked along with these two disciples and explained how the Old Testament was pointing to the Messiah. It's common for Christians to overlook the Old Testament and think it's not worth reading or that the New Testament's better. The truth of the matter is the entire Bible is God's written word to us. The Old Testament is vital. We can't grasp the New Testament unless we have the Old Testament to help us understand it. God is not man that we change his mind. Numbers 23, 19. The truth revealed in the Old Testament is still valid for today. We can trust the Old Testament and the New Testament because all things God said either have or will come true. Verses 28 through 32, he's revealed. Read along with me. Then they drew near the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat in the table with them, that he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? The two turned around and went back to tell the others what Jesus had said to them. They said, He's alive. I tell you, he spoke to us. No matter what everyone else said, nobody could silence these two men. They 
saw him. Today, we're to share the gospel with the world also. Nothing can stop the gospel. Nothing. But others still needed proof. So read with me 33 through 43. So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about these things that had happened on the road and how he had known to them in the breaking of the bread. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that he had, they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see me, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. Then he said this. He showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy, they marveled. He said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and some honeycomb. And he took and ate it in their presence. As they were declaring what they had seen, Jesus himself stood among them. Jesus spoke to them, but they were frightened because they thought it was a spirit. Jesus told them to touch him. I'm not a spirit. Jesus ate with them, proving he's not a spirit and proving he has risen. So therefore, we're going to talk about now the Great Commission. In conclusion, let's read 44 through 53. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Amen. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with the power from high. And he led them out as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. So today, what do we know? We know he's alive. We know that he's conquered death and we know that he's conquered hell. We know we'll never be alone. We will see our loved ones again. Was he a king? Yes, he was, now and forever. Is he a mighty warrior? Absolutely. Is he the prince of peace? Yep. Conqueror? Ask Satan. Someone that will clean up Israel and run all the sinners out? Yes. Why then do we not proclaim the word, the good news? You see, he's alive. He walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. My Savior lives today. So let's rejoice, rejoice. Our Savior lives today. He has risen. He's alive today and forevermore. Until next week, happy Easter, everyone.